Typically today, January 2nd, we'd be wishing one another Happy New Year and talking about a whole variety of things. But in this moment, all that might be said today pales in comparison with the events of Thursday. Many, if not most of us, are still in shock. For others, that shock is beginning to wear off and reality is hitting hard. I've heard from two friends who have lost everything just this morning who said, the shock is wearing off and they're just overwhelmed. Hundreds and hundreds like them have lost everything and thousands more are still displaced waiting for news that it's safe to return to their home and their neighborhood. So much of this for me and for you seems surreal. How do we respond when our world is upside down? How do we console when we ourselves need consolation? How do we answer when we too have questions? As we in our community again find ourselves grieving, it's important to name it, to acknowledge our shock and our anger, our denial and our attempts to make meaning and our cycles of despair and relief. It's helpful to accept that we will all react and respond differently and those differences are not wrong. You may cycle through the grief stages of denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and finding meaning all in the course of a few minutes only to repeat it again and again throughout the day. You may experience one stage of grief for a long time before moving through another phase. There is no one way to grieve, and in particular to grieve this set of circumstances. And on top of all that we've already experienced this past year, this is a complicated grief. Gentleness with ourselves and with one another is key. We began today's worship with Lamentations 3, 19 and 20. Here's more of what Jeremiah says in that same chapter, backing up to verse 17. He says, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Sounds like this past year and especially this past week. And it might just be easier to stay numb. Jesus knows all about that. He knows what an accumulation of darkness feels like. He's not only experienced it at the end of his earthly life, but on less than normal days during his life. Just one example in Matthew 14. His cousin, John the Baptist, has died. And Jesus wants time away to grieve, to pray, to mourn. And a grieving Jesus withdraws privately to a solitary place, and in spite of that desire to be alone, the needy crowd follows and finds him. And in that moment where Jesus could have said, I have other priorities, he turns and he sees them and he has deep compassion for them and heals them. Jesus in his grief, he grieves with us, but he's not too tired 
or too distracted to have compassion and to heal. And the very next scene finds Jesus taking what looks like nothing, the five loaves and the two fish, and multiplying it to feed literally thousands of people that the disciples suggested that he turn away. None of the Matthew 14 day allowed Jesus rest or peace or solace. But Isaiah 40, 28 tells us the Lord will not grow tired or weary. He's always for us. So to all of us today, most especially to those who have lost homes and treasured possessions and memories, our Lord knows loss. He knows grief. He knows. He knows what it is like to be human. And in these moments, he has compassion on us. And he offers his tears and his healing and his presence. In his care, he carries us. He renews our strength when we have none. And he, the author of all things, also takes the little we have, even the nothing that we have, and can transform it into his sustenance and his provision. To those of us perhaps less affected, as Christ followers, we have been charged to behave in several ways to those who are hurting. First of all, pray for them. Tell them that you are praying and then do it. With them and on your own. And the with them, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you don't know what to say. Pray when they cannot pray for themselves because they will find themselves with no words. Ask the Lord to guide your prayers and your actions. God's power is infinite, and prayer invites his presence and his power into situations, into this situation in ways we cannot understand. Be faithful on another's behalf. Be present with them. Make yourself available. Slow down and really listen. Sit in the hard space of hearing their losses and their concerns and their fears without providing pat answers. Provide a space of refuge and respond with comfort and compassion and empathy. And serve. Offer assistance without strings attached. Serve them as they are able to receive without expectation of return. Right now, people are telling me they don't even know what they need, so they cannot answer your question, what do you need? So as they're able to receive, offer them what they ask. And recognize for many that it will be very difficult for them to ask. Don't make it harder. We are to be an aroma and a fragrance of God wherever we may find ourselves. And most importantly, carry hope for them. This is a long haul. When they don't have hope, you can help carry hope. In the earlier Lamentations 3 verses that I read, Jeremiah is in despair. 
He itemizes his losses. He is afflicted and downcast. And then we see this pivot in verse 21, where Jeremiah says, yet, yet. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What does he call to mind so that he can have hope? He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his passions, his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. In his despair, Jeremiah reminds himself of God's great love and the unfailing compassion of God himself, his great faithfulness. And in that moment of recalling and remembering, Jeremiah's small ember of hope begins to be rekindled. Many of us are waiting in this liminal, in this in-between space, and Jeremiah was there too. His anchor is God and God's character, God's unwavering love and his steadfast faithfulness, new every morning, one day at a time, one moment at a time. I can hold hope for you in the moments where you can't see it yet. We can have hold hope for each other knowing that the Lord can, in fact, be enough. We can hold each other while we wait for him. Today is Epiphany Sunday, marking the day the Magi visited the baby in the manger. But today also fittingly commemorates the ensuing need for Mary, Joseph, and Jesus to make a hasty nighttime evacuation to Egypt, whereas outsiders, they lived until the threat was gone. Christ knows hasty evacuation and threat. He knows displacement from his home. He knows displacement from his home country to a foreign one, and he also knows the greater displacement from his place in heaven to earth. He came to enter exactly where you and I are, to minister to us, to carry the burdens we are carrying. We know him as the Lord who touches, who weeps, who mourns, and who is powerful enough to heal, to comfort, to multiply, and to transform. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.